The Incomparable. Number 583. October 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This episode's a little bit different. It's a flash podcast, a current events podcast about a thing, two things that have happened in the last week or so that uh, I wanted to get uh, get the band back together and talk about them. By the band, I sort of mean the audio guide to Babylon 5. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but I but I also mean um, various uh, fans of Doctor Who because we're going to be talking about uh, two big news stories and also maybe some things big picture things related to that. It's the incomparable, you know. We're going to scratch our chins and and wonder about what this all means. Uh, the two pieces of news, of course, being that the uh, the Prodigal's showrunners have returned. Russell T. Davis, who brought back Doctor Who in two thousand five, is. Uh, is going to be in charge of Doctor Who again. And uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who created Babylon 5 in 1993, is uh, bringing, is apparently working on a, a reboot of it for the CW. Uh, so all your favorite TV shows, uh, I guess, are going to come back with the same people producing them again. Uh, strange times we live in, but it's peak TV, people. This is what happens. So let me introduce those people that I just... Uh, I, 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 if you listen to the audio guide to Babylon 5, you know exactly who I'm going to introduce right now. Chip Sutterth is here. Hello. I have always been here. Alonzi. <laughs> Shannon Sutterth is here. Apparently, we got two booms today. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Stephen Shapansky is here. First things first, but not necessarily in that order. And Eric Ensign. <laughs> I have nothing clever prepared. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to go. It's a flash. It's a flash. So I cast. won't. You guys, are, you guys are, the rest of you are ruining it. We're supposed to make it sound like we just jumped into the TARDIS and off we went. And you, and you, you prepared things. So, uh, like, I, I do think that there's some meta things about um, the in, just insatiable voracious appetite for content and intellectual property that causes something to like Babylon 5 to be which was by all accounts from Joe Straczynski like persona non grata within Warner Brothers but apparently got they they got to the back of the intellectual property vault and looked on the floor and there was like a smudged sort of beat up paper bag that said Babylon 5 on it and they're like is this anything? And so it it's like alright, I mean it's it's intellectual property, let's bring it back um, and then there's the news about Russell T. Davis which is where I'd like to start, uh, the idea that uh, the BBC has been looking for a new showrunner for Doctor Who um, to replace Chris Chibnall and the BBC has been I think maybe fair to say struggling to figure out how to produce a uh, a big budget or mid budget science fiction fantasy show given its charter as a public broadcaster in the UK and with with Russell T Davis and Bad Wolf which is the production company set up by Julie Gardner and uh Jane Tranter who was the commissioning executive for the BBC for the origi- for the 2005 Doctor Who reboot and Julie Gardner who was the producer so uh, the people who worked with Russell T. Davis in 2005, it's their production company, and they're going to be making the show with Russell T. Davis running it. Uh, that was the first piece of news, which, I, I mean, I guess we should start with feelings, because part of this is about feelings. Hey, everybody, how'd you feel? Um, and Stephen, in your case, it's how'd you feel when Erica woke you up and <laughs> told you. Uh, I saw a tweet 
from one of our uh, one of our friends. I think it was maybe Alyssa that was basically what is happening, and that I, I, that's when I sat up and I was like, <laughs> never before have I had to do lots of research to make sure I was not being fooled by the right? news that Russell T Davis was was uh, coming back. So how 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 did everybody feel about that one? Surprised, <laughs> shocked, a little bit. Uh, probably endless retakes of the what, what, what? It really was. <laughs> it, it was very much like that. It was. It was a lot of of what's a on lot Steven's of part. I had yeah. and I had vetted it first. So I mean, he at least I I was the person telling him. Whereas for me, it was the Verity account. Somebody had had tweeted several. Somebody's had had tweeted at us, and I was like, I wish you people would vet your tweets before you send us spam. And yeah. then I <laughs> then I looked at the website, and I was like, what? What? It's, I did it, basically. And then had to, yeah, go and, and say, okay, exciting news. Lots of things are happening. There's a new kitten at the Kitten Academy. But very important. set that aside for a moment. I literally had to say, set the, set aside the kitty for a second. And mm-hmm. Steven's looking very confused because he just woke up. And I'm like, yeah, they announced <laughs> the new showrunner for Doctor Who. And Steven was like, oh. Who is who it? Who is it? <laughs> and I was like, it's Russell T. Davis. <laughs> And the look on his face. I will never forget it. I should have. Somebody was like, you should have taken a video. And I was like, yeah, but that then I'd be cruel. divorced. That would have been cruel. <laughs> it was my birthday. Happy birthday, Chip. Yes. Oh, my God. That's and, right. And the number of people who sent me messages <laughs> quoting Stephen Moffat, of all people, saying, did you wish really hard? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you? And I had no way of processing this. I I never would have wished for this. I, it's 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 impossible. Why? Who? How? And what? And 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 then it happened. And and I'm still sort of I'm still sort of processing it because between this and the B five news that we'll get to later, um, I'm getting hit by this wave of simultaneous nostalgia and renewal. And wondering if it's going to be as good as I dream it, because um, you can't you, you can't just you can't just same into, step into the same waters again, as uh, one of the one of the prodigal showrunners mentioned on yeah. Twitter. Um, it's not there's no way that it's going to be the same show that it was in 2005. No. And the question that we're going to be speculating on for uh, until 2023, when it finally drops, is. Will it be better? Will it be worse? Will it um, will it feel old or will it feel new? And I have yes. zero <laughs> zero uh, uh, idea of which way it's going to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was um, I saw the news break on um, a uh, Slack uh, that focuses around Doctor Who. And yes, just reading everybody's flabbergasted reactions. And then, you know, Chip's texting me, you know, did, oh my God, <laughs> RTD is coming back. And I'm like, yeah, I saw. <laughs> and, you know, my first thought was, you know, on the one hand, um, it is un- an unusual move, of course, to go back to somebody who had been there previously. On the other hand, they've, as has been mentioned, Doctor Who's been floundering a bit. Mm-hmm. the last several years um it's like uh like you said because it is based on a uh public entity and does not have unlimited budget um they've been floundering a bit um they just it 
I'm not sure they've ever quite gotten the hang of social media and <laughs> advertising, nope. you know, to the rest of the world. And uh, I'm hoping that RTD at least has, you know, having seen this happen and not had to deal with it, can come back with a fresh view. Um, Bad Wolf being there is like a fabulous resource that I hope will um, keep the sh- help get the show be um, maintain or improve uh it's uh visual qualities things like that uh i i think rtd was the one who his that got me into doctor who in the first place i was not a who fan from way back when it was when chip is like hey the show is coming back watch with me and that's when i fell in love with the show uh wandered away a bit when i got bored and then came back because jodie whittaker is the bomb and i love her to death uh and have been enjoying it ever since um i'm interested and i'm curious and i'm very much looking forward to see to to see what happens next mm-hmm. yeah i want to point out too that like i agree that the show has been floundering but i want to make it clear that when i say that i am speaking from a uh promotional right. standpoint right uh, you know a budgetary like and, and like shannon put it very well they haven't really figured out social media no. uh we still don't even know when the next uh series is going to be happening even though it's supposed to be fall guess what you guys it's fall it's already it's fall, fall. <laughs> yeah. um i have any day any day surprise doctor who drop just like boom yep. new episode <sighs> now makes it really hard for podcast planning let me tell you my spreadsheet is so sad right now but jason jason you mentioned feelings so i have to say that yeah. like my gut feeling right off the bat was not necessarily one of joy because i really and i i have been loving the Chibnall era. I love Jodie Whittaker. I enjoy the writing. I know I'm not alone in that, but I also know that You're there not. are a lot of people who, ha- who haven't. And I, I knew with this sinking feeling in my gut that I was going to see a lot of celebration from corners of the internet mm. who are basically just dancing on Chris Chibnall's grave, uh, you know, a whole season before he's done. So, I mean, it, I had a lot of ups and downs. It was a bit of a roller coaster in terms of feelings. I'm excited about the future. I, I feel like it it's a safe pair of hands. It's a safe production company. Um, but also at the same time, that wasn't my favorite era of, of Doctor Who by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm just hoping that uh, that Russell T. Davis has has grown as a creator. And as Chip was mm-hmm. saying, you know, are we going to is it going to feel old? Is it going to feel new? I'm hoping it's going to feel more new than old, because otherwise I'm going to be a sad camper. I think it's going to be new. I think he's, you know, the, the Russell T. Davies that brought back Doctor Who in 2005 was not the one who left in 2010, 2009. I think he moved on a lot from, I, th- I think probably, you know, of all of his Doctor Who universe stuff that he did when he was a uh, showrunner, I feel like Children of Earth, is, uh, the Torchwood uh, series mm-hmm. three, is probably most representative of what he would go on to do post-Doctor Who than anything that he did on Doctor Who. And... I wonder if that sort of serialized storytelling will be there. I, you know, it, the TV universe itself is a different beast than it was mm-hmm. back in 2005. Oh, Streaming yeah. wasn't a thing. It was not right. a thing. Um, and now it is. Uh, and it's so, thing. yeah. And, and so he'll, <laughs> he'll have to be competing with the, the Disney's plus and the Apple TV plus and the Netflixes of the world, as opposed to I, whatever ITV has on the other side on Saturday night. <laughs> Ant and Deck. He's just Ant and Deck. Yeah, now it's They're just all, now the it's the Mandalorian instead. It, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean, so yeah, my my thought was first off, I almost felt I felt very strange about Russell T. Davis coming back because 
I almost felt bad for him in a weird way because twist unlike <laughs> well unlike what you might expect and I think that a lot of people who are Doctor Who fans who don't know his career trajectory felt like he was almost like a retread coming back to Doctor Who and the truth is the stuff that he's made since he left Doctor Who um, has been really well received and is quite good and quite remarkable. And like his brilliance as a writer has continued and his arc has continued and he's made things that have won and been nominated for a whole lot of awards. Uh, very English scandal, years and years, and it's a sin, especially among those. Uh, Cucumber, too, less successful, I think, critically and and commercially, but the others like hugely uh, lauded, including in the U.S. So he's had a really great career renaissance. Also, you know, in there, he also had a career pause, essentially, when he was taking care of his his partner who died of cancer. Um, and so there's that part of it, too, that he had to put his career on hold. But he's also sort of had a new look, outlook on life and has made some amazing stuff. So on one level, I'm like, Oh, they roped you back in, Russell, because like <laughs> like I feel like it's a big win for Doctor Who to have him in its corner, not that he's kind of coming back uh as a as somebody who tried to escape Doctor Who. I think that's not what this is at all. And and I keep coming back to the production side of it. When I talk about Doctor Who being challenged, uh, you're absolutely right about the promotional parts of it, that they seem very confused about it. But I, I feel like BBC also, again, politics involved here, funding, funding sources, the remit mm -hmm. of the BBC, mm -hmm. the fact that every other science fiction franchise is being franchised out onto streaming and Doctor Who can't even make the 14 episodes a year that they used to make. I, I feel like on the production side is where they've really struggled. The fact that they haven't, mm -hmm. they've made the show look up to date with the times, but at the expense of only being able to do a smaller number of episodes over a longer stretch of time. And so the announcement that Bad Wolf is involved, I I think is the most interesting thing to me because it feels like maybe it's an admission from the BBC that it can't make Doctor Who on its own, that it can't make it. It doesn't know how to make it a modern show in the streaming era and that it needs a co-production partner who can basically take the heat off of it and maybe even be the strategist for uh, an expanded Doctor Who sort of slate of programs that can be sold internationally so that they can compete because the, the truth is that we live in a world where there are a bunch of Marvel shows and a bunch of Disney shows and a bunch of Star Trek shows and Doctor Who should be playing there and at the very least Doctor Who should be you know, putting out a season worth of episodes every year. And the BBC, and this is not Ch Chris Chibnall's fault necessarily, I think it's more that it's a function of the BBC not being built for this era. If that makes I sense. think a lot of the blame for the lackluster promotion of the last two seasons of Doctor Who, and, and I think this actually began even before that when Moffat was uh, wrapping up, the I think the blame is being unfairly laid at Chris Chibnall's feet. He is famously secretive about plot, but I don't. I, I think he would rather the world knew when the show was going to be on. I just <laughs> don't think that the BBC knows. I don't think the BBC has the resources or the political support to do everything that it wants to do for a show that, as Stephen has argued repeatedly on Radio Free Scarrow, you know should be as big as any other sci-fi franchise in the world. It's 
it is hobbled by the public broadcaster and the co-production with Bad Wolf. I think you're exactly right, Jason. Uh, since the announcement, I started watching His Dark Materials, which is an HBO and BBC co-production, and it's a Bad Wolf joint. And it looks lush. It looks uh, like it would. It looks like Bad Wolf knows what it would do, and I can visualize a Doctor Who uh, being uh, produced with those resources, and it really works for me. And um, and having it show up uh, in a in a co pro deal with HBO like His Dark Materials, I think that that I think that that could work. Um, I do worry, and Erica mentioned this on the most recent episode of Verity. You know, it almost feels like a surrender that the BBC is admitting that it doesn't have the resources to do Doctor Who justice on its own as a public broadcaster, and I do find that a little worrisome. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, I in an, in a perfect world, in an ideal world, the answer to this this conundrum would not be to take this away from the BBC and get help from elsewhere. It would be to give the BBC the resources that it needs as a public broadcaster to be able to do more than just reality television, to be able to continue to mm-hmm. do, you know, the the kind of big splashy drama that that we love. Uh, so it, it kind of is, is a little bit heartbreaking and a little bit scary uh, when it, you look at, you know, the number of things that are moving toward privatization in not just the UK, but also in Canada. Uh, it, it, it hurts my heart a little bit. And it's, it's interesting because before we knew who the new showrunner was going to be, uh, a refrain that I often heard from people was, you know, I just really want somebody to come in and take over the show who's not an old school fan. <laughs> Like, I just want there to be somebody like who just who's just really good at television production. And I think at this point, we have to admit that not only do we not have the resources to you know produce more than six episodes in a, in a couple of years, but we don't have the resources to afford somebody who's yeah. a really good television producer, who's not also a deep, deep, deep fan mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. That's that's why we have ended up with somebody who is, you know, one of the biggest nerdiest fans of Doctor Who taking the helm once again so, like, like you mentioned how great his uh, his resume is at this point Jason mm. clearly he's still a huge huge fan or he wouldn't be doing this oh yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that he's doing the franchise a favor in a different way than yes. in 2005 but I do think that he considers it in in distress and uh, it needs oh, to no. be and the, the, somebody doctor said, in distress out the SOS <laughs> sorry uh, but yeah exactly a distressed um, ax- asset perhaps but but if my theory <laughs> anyway is that this is a package deal that it's Russell T. Davis and Bad Wolf, and they are kind of trying to set up Doctor Who as a successful franchise for the streaming era. And I do think that in some ways there are very few people who are qualified and willing to take on that kind of high-level responsibility. My hope and my my theory is that the ultimate goal here is not for Russell T. Davis to do Doctor Who incorporated for the rest of his life, but that he will do some hands-on work and try to get it going in the right direction and maybe end up serving in a more supervisorial role for the brand and the franchise for a little while, like some of the people who are in charge of Marvel stuff and Star Wars stuff and uh, Star Trek stuff and get it kind of going where it needs to go which is funny because 
10, 15 years ago, he actually did all of this. He had, you know, Star Trek does After Trek and there's After the Walking Dead and all of that. Like there was Doctor Who Confidential and he did the the adult spinoff in Torchwood and he did the kids spinoff in Sarah Jane Adventures. I mean, he was franchising Doctor Who before it was really plausible. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I feel like he thinks that way and that ultimately that's probably the goal here is to is to do for this franchise what the BBC kind of couldn't do under, I'm not sure couldn't do as much as couldn't do under the current level of scrutiny and that it's better off to kind of hand it to a partner and then just cash the checks, which seems to be what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really good uh, point that modern Doctor Who exists because of the fanboys. Uh, Davies grew up loving the show, wanted to bring it back. Moffat grew up loving the show and stepped in when it was his turn. Uh, Chibnall loved the show and stepped in as well. And I'm hoping that Davies, having gone back out into producing all of these other great shows and writing and creating all these other great shows, is coming back not only with a better sense of how to mentor other people into um, a bigger um, into a bigger group that can uh, support and continue the show and potential spinoffs going forward, um, but can also bring back the storytelling, um, the diversity in storytelling mm. that is um, that Chibnall has only now really started to push by um, having Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. I'm I'm looking forward to the potential that um, he can bring back, having learned through his own experiences, uh, hopefully heard um, various criticisms about writing and story arcs, seen what people liked and didn't like about the Moffat and Chibnall years, and can take all of that and push Doctor Who completely into the 21st century. I think that that's, uh, I've got that same hope. One thing that I'm feeling a little cautious about, a friend of mine observed that a lot of the TV that RTD has produced since then has been really on the bleak side. Uh, years and years is uh, really yeah, dark. dark. Uh, really dark. Um, and it's a, you know, yeah, I would say it's a sin is joyous, but it's bittersweet, right? Because it's mm-hmm. joyous set on the backdrop of tragedy, and so it's a it's a it is joyous, but it is also uh, brutally sad. Doctor Who, every regeneration. Yeah. Well, it fits. And 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 towards the end of his run, um, you know. I think some people have observed that Russell T. Davis is actually kind of cynical in a lot of ways about the about uh, about the future of humanity, the choices that humanity makes. You know, Torchwood Children of Earth was dark, dark, dark. Um, uh, the doc, mm. the the Tenth Doctor's swan song is dark you know you go from waters of mars and he's just after at that point he's just making bad decision after bad decision until he regenerates um so what kind of russell t davis are we going to get back and is he going to be carrying that darkness with him to the new series i really hope not i really hope that he looks at doctor who as the family television program it has always he's always talked about it being um, and I think that that is, I, I think that that's its truest format. So if it, if it resembles the first two couple of years of Russell T. Davis compared to the last two, uh, that would be my wish. 
I'm wondering if he wants to just have fun again. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know, like I want, like I, I'm so curious as to what the timeline was here because I do know that I do know what at least one other Doctor Who writer who uh, threw his hat in the ring and uh, somewhat swiftly was sort of found out that he wasn't going to be the new showrunner. Uh, so, like, obviously there were sort of, like, taking offers at that point once Chipnall announced that he was gone. I'm wondering, like, how long has this sort of been stewing in the back of RTD's yeah. mind? Did the BBC come to him or did he come to the BBC once he realized there was an opening? And maybe it was it was Russell T. Davies going, you know what, uh, I've been making a lot of dark stuff. Uh, let's try and make something fun again. And the only thing that he could think of that would be just fun and exciting and, and happy again would be Doctor Who. And maybe he just had a whole bunch of eyes, uh, ideas stewing in the background all this time and you thought you know what maybe it's just time to make Doctor Who again and that's why he's doing it again I have an additional scenario Stephen which is what if Jane Tranter and uh, Julie Gardner and Russell T. Davis were talking about well you know what I'd do you know what I'd do with Doctor Who yeah and then Bad Wolf goes to the BBC and says we'll what if we produce the show for you? We have we have someone to run it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that could be it. I don't Honestly, know. The, the the second that that uh, Tranter and Gardner started that studio, I thought one day I bet yeah. you they'll be producing yep. Doctor Who. Yep. Like it's all the setup. It's literally you they have you don't they have, name the place Bad Wolf without <laughs> thinking it. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You name it. The Bad Wolf wasn't being seated to to this finale of series one. It was seating the production team that would eventually make the show. It's a meta <laughs> seed throughout series one. Wow. Fifteen years later. Yep. Sure. Sure. Why Playing not? Playing the long game. Yep. It is the long game. If we talk about our hopes for this, because it is, I think it's interesting that a lot of the people this was alluded to earlier have said maybe what Doctor Who needs to do next is uh, get somebody who either didn't grow up watching the classic series or or grew up watching the new series or influenced by the new series. Somebody. Uh, new blood, basically, and not sort of people who were big fans during the wilderness years, uh, which is which is basically the three showrunners who have run Doctor Who since it came back. Um, this short circuits that idea. Uh, but I feel like, you know, I feel like maybe what happened is the we need somebody who's capable of producing Doctor Who overrode the other idea. Mm-hmm. But yep. I, yep, I, exactly. you know, I, I still have some hope, though, that... Um, when we say what is modern television in the streaming era, I feel like a lot of that is new ways of telling stories and having a new set of writers who understand that. And that I I will honestly, I will be very sad if Russell T. Davis returns and it's the same collection of mostly middle-aged to older men who are fans mm-hmm. of the classic series. And, and what I want to see from him is, is his steady hand, of course, hooray, but also uh, a, a bunch of people who are the next, they're the farm team, they're the next generation of exactly. people to take on this 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 franchise in this series and that if you if you look at like what Star Trek did what you really want to do is find a bunch of of really good up and coming writers and turn them loose on Doctor Who so that you can identify the ones that you want to have help you create and run the spin-offs and whatever else you do yeah. and take the franchise into the future. Yeah, I am I am on record as not wanting Doctor Who spin-offs. <laughs> For for reasons which I have elucidated on previous episodes of Verity, I don't need to relitigate that. But podcasting too much podcasting. Yeah, it's fair <laughs> enough. There's a footnotes. 
that has nothing to do with it. I just, okay, I was really annoyed in Torchwood when the doctor wouldn't show up when there was like giant life earth threatening things. It just, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Anyway. I keep thinking more like you have the freedom. I mean, something that Russell D. Davis said is more that like you have the freedom to say, we're going to tell, we're going to have a little five episode event series with David Tennant in it. And it's Mm -hmm. not Doctor Who. It's this, this Doctor Who story over on the side that is being told and like just whatever like just just Mm -hmm. being more expansive but you're right erica we could view this as being just please can you do 10 to 12 episodes of doctor who every year could you do that i I have come around a bit though to the idea of having the doctor who not cinematic universe television universe yeah Yeah. universe i'm okay with it now uh because of what some of my verity co-hosts kind of pointed out that Having those spinoff shows or if there's a, a limited series, you know, five episode little something in the Doctor Who universe, those are the perfect kinds of training grounds for the younger, right. newer voices. Yeah. And, you know, we've always said you, they're not going to just put somebody who's completely fresh, you know, into the, the driver's seat of Doctor Who. And, you know, this is these are the training wheels, which I, I now am thinking, OK, fine, we can do some spinoffs if it, if, we, if it gets somebody more diverse into the role. And it's also the perfect outlet for, you know, there's all these beloved characters that people are always like, oh, can't we, you know, know a little bit more about X, Y, Z character? Um, you know, why not a, you know, short series um you know, featuring Joe Martin, if, you know, for whatever reason, if Martin, exactly. if, uh, if Davies decides not to go, um, you know, in that direction with the next doctor, um, you know, some ideas of some of those, uh, all of those potential characters that we learned through Jodie Whittaker's doctor, that there's, you know, just how many of them out there. Um, this, you know, something along the model of um, Marvel's What If or that the, the new Star Wars series where just, you know, people get to just play with the possibilities. Yes. Wouldn't it be hilarious if it was Bad Wolf that greenlit a Paternoster gang miniseries? <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean th- that's the that's the sort of freedom. So there's a an interview that Russell T. Davis did that, and there that has been widely quoted now. The part that wasn't used in the interview, but that was brought back up when he got this job, where he said, you know, that the inspiration should be what all of these other streaming series uh, are doing. And I, what I love about it is the idea that. Uh, Thinking of Doctor Who as a TV show that is on on Saturday or Sunday night for an hour for a run of episodes every year is 20, 20th century thinking, basically. Mm-hmm. And that in the modern era, as someone managing a franchise, you need to think um, bigger, but also differently about it. And so mentioning Joe Martin, who in the most recent series was suggested as a former doctor who was previously unknown always the comment was like, what if you do a special with David Tennant? What if you do a special with Matt Smith? Something like that. The comment was, no, people will be confused. And there's only one doctor and it's the one who's in Doctor Who uh, every Saturday or Sunday night. And I think about that now and I think, hmm. <laughs> like, like, nobody's going to yeah. be confused now. Like, nobody's going to be confused. If you say, you could literally say for the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, what we're going to do is we're going to tell a bunch of stories with classic doctors. And every week there's going to be a new one and they'll be interlinked and there'll be like a big finale or something. And people would not be like, I'm confused. Why is David Tennant <laughs> on this week? Is it Matt Smith next week? What's going on? They'll be like, oh, this is great. It's it's a, an ambitious crossover event like the Avengers, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. we're past it now. And so th- that opens up this rich world of Doctor Who, which unlike many other franchises, part of the richness is that so many different actors have played the part 
in in short bursts or in long bursts. And, you know, maybe it is touching the third rail, but like I would I would embrace it. I would say mm-hmm. like we've like our friends at Big Finish who do the audio plays has embraced the idea that Doctor Who is bigger than any one person, even if it's the person currently inhabiting the role in the main series. You can be broader if you want to be. And that's really exciting. Now, this is a lot to ascribe on Russell T. Davis, who may be planning just to do can I do two, 10 episodes a year and bring the show back. <laughs> but I feel like his his ambition and Bad Wolf's ambition is probably greater. He did say the words, the Nyssa Chronicles. That's I'm right. just saying. And the return <laughs> of Donna saying. Noble. Yep. And he and posited a 10-episode Matt Smith, David Tennant crossover adventure. So who knows what is going <laughs> yep. on, right? The Nyssa Chronicles. Sorry, you the guys. Nyssa Chronicles. The Nyssa Chronicles. Yes. <laughs> it lost yep. you after the Nyssa Chronicles. It's true. Yep. What happened to her? What happened to Nyssa after that? Let's find out. <laughs> Um, it's very exciting. I, I, we should also talk about Babylon five. So, Hey, you remember Babylon <laughs> yeah. five? I do. And I really like the fact that we're talking about both of these at the same time, because Jason, as you were describing Russell T Davies sort of, you know, going, you know, out past, uh, Dr. Who and yeah. doing a lot of other stuff, a lot of other rich and interesting stuff. And JMS has had kind of the same trajectory. He, you know, did Babylon five. He was able to finish Babylon five. Um, he, you know, they went on to try Crusade and try the spinoff thing, which did not, which did not last. But since then, he's written movies. He's written comics. Uh, he was part of Sense8, which was yep. just one of the potentially most mind-blowing series around. And Netflix, how dare you cancel it early? <laughs> um, and, you know, he's got all of that experience to bring back and explore his original story again with this new perspective 30 years on. And similarly to Russell T. Davis, I got the sense with Joe Straczynski that although he had moved on from Babylon 5, Babylon 5 was never far from him. Like that, that, mm-hmm. that was the thing that was the closest to his heart in terms of the things he had ever made, that he poured mm-hmm. his body and soul into that for six, seven, eight years and that it was always kind of hanging out there and that he always seemed very sad about the fact that Warner Brothers had made it persona non grata and they were never going to do anything with it because he felt like, I think he, like Russell T. Davis, looked at Babylon 5 and said, we live in an era now where you should franchise this thing. There's so much opportunity here. Why are we not doing this? And apparently the CW, which is interesting, I don't know what the politics are, but that's the broadcast network co operated by Warner and Viacom CBS that is famous for having a million DC Comics TV shows, but has had other things, Supernatural, all sorts of other stuff on there, that they are the ones who are interested in a in a Babylon 5 series reboot, and that's where he's going. It's just, it's a fascinating thing. And what's different is that what he said is that this is a, a reboot. So he basically, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sadly, as many of us Babylon 5 fans know, a large amount of the original Babylon 5 cast has passed away. It's a shocking mm-hmm. amount when you go through mm-hmm. the cast list. And so, as he pointed out, Straczynski pointed out, you really can't, you know, do a continuation easily because most of How those characters posi- are Londo, dead. Londo doesn't have Jakar. Exactly. He doesn't have Veer. Yeah. It, Sheridan doesn't have Delenn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just, it goes on. There's no Zack. There's no Garibaldi. Uh, there's no Dr. Franklin, like the list of yeah. people who passed away from Babylon 5. It is it is shocking how many of them have. So instead, he he basically said, what, what if we reboot this sucker and tell a 
I don't know. This is the part that gets me, and I, I want to know what all of you think about this. Like, how do you retell that story? He says, in a modern way with different issues and all that. And I think, well, your challenge is going to be, how do you tell a story again without everybody saying, yeah, yeah, we already heard this one? Yeah. Well, you know so, what? It doesn't matter. I would like nobody else is, has heard it. Just us. This well, this is why this is this is the why it's very different. I think that these two showrunners coming back, Russell T. Davis is coming into a, an ongoing thing, which is ongoing for sixty plus years, and this is you know it has to be a reboot in part also because even if all those actors were alive, like that show ended beautifully, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to watch all of those characters continuing on i like the idea of a reboot and there are a lot of people who just hear the word reboot and turn up their noses and i put my hand over my heart and say i feel pity for you people who just put your noses in the air because uh like a movie that i absolutely love is uh leo mccary's love affair Uh, it's it's a delightful black and white film starring irene dunn and charles boyer and it's just great and guess what leo mccary decided he didn't do a good enough job or something and he remade that sucker just a few years later and came out with An Affair to Remember, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So I would just like to point out that just rebooting things has been in the the fabric of entertainment for as long as we've had entertainment. So stop mm-hmm. getting your knickers in a twist because things are getting rebooted. It's always going to happen. And in this case, I'm really excited about it because I love Babylon 5. I think JMS did a really good job with the, the paltry tools at his disposal yeah. at times. Yeah. And I'm really, really interested to see what he can do in an era where maybe he actually gets to say, okay, this is my idea I want to do from from point A to B to C. Can you give me the resources to do all of that without having to scramble once you get to B.5, you know? Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people, you know, are sort of saying like, you know, well, what could it possibly do um, now? Because sadly, so many of the issues and themes and um, and tropes that he touched upon we're living through, you know, the, the, the we fun, lived the, through four years of the Clark administration, <laughs> pretty much. But I think based on um, the original uh, press release out of uh, Variety that, that I read, to me, it sounds like JMS is hoping to do his original story that hmm. he had set up before he had to actually deal with the real world in putting it together. Um, you know, like, what would have, you know, they're apparently doing it with Sheridan instead of Sinclair, but the original story was going to be five years of Sinclair's growth and uh, going through all of this story. And then, you know, they had, unfortunately, Michael O'Hare's mental illness and he couldn't continue the role. And so he had to, JMS had to drop back and punt. And he had to do that several times as actors had to leave. What happens now if he can get, you know, barring, you know, yes, real world will interfere, but if he can get a group of actors that he's hoping can stay on for, if he's doing it a five-year cycle again, um, you know, what can he do then with his original vision? So as much as Babylon 5 is, you know, just trying to distill it into something, it's it's space opera about the third age of mankind, about characters um, having decision ha- having decisions to make, points of crisis, the human race having to stand up uh, when it's on the verge of being overrun by million-year-old civilizations. Uh, that's a pretty broad canvas. You could do that again with different characters, with different plot developments. Um, you know, Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, was 
superficially like the old show, but but it went off in completely different directions. Right. It ended a completely different way. Well, it ended. Um, you know, um, so the same thing could happen here. One thing that I'm actually mildly disappointed by is that the paragraph long description of the show talks about John Sheridan coming to this space station and um and uh, uh and an ancient evil being uh, uncovered or something like that and I almost don't want to hear the, he, I don't I almost don't want to see the name John Sheridan I almost want to see the same story happen but with different char- different names of characters so that I'm not constantly comparing uh, one mm-hmm. before the other. The story is about the relationships between characters, the tough decisions that they make, the ways that they overcome or succumb to adversity. And you can have the same galactic scope of the story with different characters. Um, and that would be Babylon 5 reinvented for the 21st century. It's got to have the same initials JS, though. That's the important thing. Let me tell you. Inevitably. <laughs> that too. It's got to gotta be JS. Bruce Boxleiter will be in a Vorlon costume or something like that. Captain Jason Statham? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so close, Chip. You're so close to getting it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do. I, I think the idea of taking kind of original concepts for Babylon 5 and then filtering it through... Uh, everything that's happened in the last 30 years to society and to television and coming up with something on the other side. I think that's all good. I just, my worry is that it's going to be very much like, oh, that's the Jakar figure and that's the Londo figure, even if they're not named that. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, but, but the truth, let me tell you, the truth is the CW is not concerned about any of us who saw Babylon 5 in the 90s. Nope. No. They really, they really aren't. I think, I think they're more looking at that and saying, wow, that's intellectual property that Warner Brothers has access to. And this guy is a, is a pretty, pretty good talent. And what if we did a new version of this that people would get into? And like, if they go back and seek out the old show, that's fine. But like, I, I, I think their goal is probably that 99.9% of the people who would watch a new Babylon 5 would have never seen the old one. And so for them, it's all going to be a brand new ride. And I'm kind of okay with that. I kind of love that. And if it's not, you know, you don't want them to be able to go read the Wikipedia page and find out what happens over the course of the series. But mm-hmm. beyond that, uh, playing some of the same notes with modern instruments... That sounds pretty good to me, actually. Yeah. I want to see a Vor- Vorlon ship with modern CGI, right? <laughs> I yeah. want to see that. Well, to, oh, tie yeah. it, to tie it back to when Doctor Who came back in 2005, like Russell T. Davies sort of was sort of saying, you know, a lot of people never saw the original. It's a continuation of, but we're very much not relying on everything that was old. And then at the end of episode two, it says, my planet's gone. There was a big time war. So all of a sudden, there's some new mystery for everyone, both new fans and old. And that's how you can sort of make it fresh again. So I'm hoping that, like, you know, it feels familiar. There's Babylon 5, and it's, like, spinning, and there's, you know, <laughs> maybe the same kind of cast of characters, like the same races and everything. But then all of a sudden, something is different, and then it makes it interesting for new fans and old. Yeah, I hope so. Everybody mm-hmm. else yeah. have similar expectations? I, like, the Babylon 5 thing is much more... Uh, like not concrete he's writing a pilot who knows if it'll get picked up it's all very strange but like i had a lot of feelings i think about i had a lot of business theories about russell t davis and bad wolf taking over doctor who for babylon 5 it was all really just kind of emotions of like Mm -hmm. i love it Mm -hmm. having it come back in some form is great 
and yet at the same time they're going to do something new. It's still Joe Straczynski, so that's good, but it's also not the show that I know. Are they going to change it? I, like I had a whole bunch of conflicting emotions about about that. Like it's not like they're they're uh, scrapping the old show. It will always be there. But I did have feelings, sort of like, uh, you know. Th- that it's it's being brought back but it's it's not the same it's 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 like when they announced that they were going to bring buffy back and it was going to be a a new buffy and they were going to reboot it and then everybody was like oh that's sad and they said no no it won't be a new buffy it'll be a new some other character and everybody's like oh that's okay and then we never heard from that project again and it probably (laughs) is never going to happen but like it was that same psychology of like on one level, like Erica said, do I think that that thing is a perfect thing and I want to leave it the way it is and not continue it and mess it up? On another level, though, you're saying we're setting that aside and we're telling a new version of the same old story. That gives me some some feelings, too, about about uh, how, what's this going to be and is it going to live up to it and am I going to want to see it? I don't Maybe know. I'm dead inside because I had I did not have those feelings at all. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is how many times have we seen Spider-Man? Like, and that's just in the last, what, 15 years or you so? You see, Shannon, uh, <laughs> Peter Parker is a young teenager who's bitten by a radioactive spider and <laughs> his uncle dies and it's very sad. <laughs> did not, not, did, has that, has that story not been told? <laughs> I, I just, it, I didn't get, I didn't get worried. It's weird. Like I'm now I'm, now I'm comparing my feelings about RTD and my feelings about, the, about JMS coming back to, to Babylon 5. And I'm realizing I pretty much had all of my feelings on the Doctor Who side. And huh. I heard the Babylon and maybe it's just because I was so wrung out after all that Doctor Who news. I didn't have any feelings left in me. But when I heard the news about Babylon 5 coming back, I was just like, oh, cool. A new and different Babylon 5. And I think it's because also I have spent so much time over the past several years, you know, rolling my eyes at people who are saying, oh, my God, the new Ghostbusters destroyed my childhood that I had just have. It's been seared into my brain that 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 thing that I love, it will always be there. And if they do something new and different with it, that's exciting. And, and for me, the thing I think that I'm the most excited about is the idea that there's a whole bunch of kids. And yes, I'm saying kids because you're right, Jason, 99% of the people who are going to be watching it on the CW mm-hmm. are, are not going to have seen Babylon 5. This is going to bring a thing that I love, even if it's not the exact thing that I love, but a thing that I love to a whole bunch of new viewers. And you know what? Some of them might go back and then watch the original, just like a whole bunch exactly. of Doctor Who fans who came in with and- a new series, went back and like... There are a ton of young people, way, way younger than I am, who have now seen all of classic Doctor Who, and I still haven't. And I think that's great. So I'm excited for that to maybe happen with Babylon 5, too. A word about the CW, which is, that I think is encouraging, is if you think about what's been on the CW, it is genre shows Mm -hmm. that combine uh, genre action and storylines with, I will say, sort of soapy kinds Mm -hmm. of ongoing stories and it's not just the dc comic stuff but also things like the hundred and they appeal supernatural supernatural exactly don't give dan more ideas uh can they reboot (laughs) supernatural it's been a year since it's been on so they can bring it right back um the uh, i i don't want to give them ideas either because they'll do it so so i think about babylon 5 and i think that's actually a good fit in that you get a big enough, but I mean, shoot it in Vancouver because they all are, uh, sure. or Toronto. They you give them a big enough budget that it's got a, a really interesting sci-fi look, but you've also got that kind of character-driven, emotional, and kind of soapy week-to-week interpersonal relationship thing. That's kind of what I mean. We talk about about uh, 
Russell T. Davis being ahead of his time, that's kind of what Joe Straczynski was doing with Babylon 5, Mm -hmm. was combining space opera with soap opera (laughs) in in an interesting way. And and I mean that not disparaging at all. I mean that in like Mm -hmm. that the interpersonal relationships mattered and it wasn't just the plots and it wasn't just the spaceships. And if you think about CW shows with their larger episode orders per season and the kinds of shows they're trying to do... I can kind of see it. I can kind of seeing somebody go, and I mean, I could throw out other like Riverdale and things like that, but the genre shows that have this kind of combination and having a bunch of teenagers be like, oh my God, and not just like the explosions and the and the spaceships, but also, you know, that scene with Sheridan Delenn, what's going on there, <gasps> right? Like they mm-hmm. could, that, that that could be part of it too. That encourages me, actually, to think of it that way. Because this is, you know, the CW is not streaming, right? It's broadcast TV, old school in a way, and yet reaching a fairly young audience, which is uh, a different kind of place for it. And, uh, and you know, again, Babylon 5 famously was a show that was kind of not on television uh, unless you looked really hard for it. So this would be different. Right. Yeah. Really hard. So one of the things that I want to point out about Babylon 5, uh, when we did the rewatch for the audio guide to Babylon 5, episodes still available at b5audioguide.com. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh you know, I was watching it with two lenses, you know, the uh, in the moment, remembering what it was like in the 90s when I was watching it, and also watching it today as an artifact of the 90s. And one of the things that Babylon 5 had going for it was it was a groundbreaker in a lot of things that are now just utterly commonplace today. Babylon 5 got a lot of credit in the 90s for five-year story arc, mm-hmm. CGI, authorship, by the by by the by the showrunner mm-hmm. and all of that stuff is completely commonplace now yeah so babylon <laughs> 5 can't succeed based on what gave it cult status to begin with it's all been done yep. so by there's it. got yeah. to be social media engagement the whole thing it's like literally yeah. all of it yes. the whole rule book yeah. yes yeah so so i think that that's probably what uh, aside from operating out of spite because Joe Straczynski um, is fueled by spite and the fact that <laughs> yes, w, yes. that that Warner Brothers treated Babylon 5 so badly for so many years, you know, that he's finally got the opportunity to do it again on, on, on Warner's dime. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. But also, you know, he's, he's talked about what would I say now? What, what tools would I use now that I've got these new tools? Um, you know, he's literally got to Babylon 5, the new version, will succeed based on what he does with the tools that have been so well established for the last 30 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's not making the tools to build the show anymore. Like they're 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 kind of dusty, actually. Yeah. He created the originals in, in, in some ways, and they're still sitting out in the shed. He's got to go pick them up again. Yeah, I mean, there there's a real risk of failure here because he's... Because if he just redoes Babylon 5, there is nothing new if whatsoever. He, if he hadn't done Sense8, I would be really concerned about his prospects. Because although uh, Russell T. Davis has done a lot of really good work and Bad Wolf has done some modern television production, you know, the ongoing, uh, Joe Straczynski hasn't done a lot, but he did do Sense8 for two seasons on Netflix. And that, I think is an example of like, 
I think he gets what modern TV is. I think that's the thing that makes me point it point at it and say, no, no, he he is also not coming back sort of sadly to retread a thing from the past because he has no other options. But he's actually it's a thing he loves and cares about. And he's got a track record that gives me some confidence. I'm I'm fascinated by the butterfly wings that is Chris Chibnall leaving uh, has like, you know, created, cause remember like for the two or three weeks after we all learned that he was leaving, all of a sudden people are like, Oh, maybe this person could be showrunner and this person. And then somebody suggested JMS and he gets on Twitter. Huh? That would be quite Anybody something. Anybody have a number of somebody at the BBC yeah, I could yeah, call? A week later he yeah. tweets, how do you contact the BBC? And then like a couple days after the RTD news, all of a sudden there's this. And I'm wondering if like you know, JMS becoming interested in show running Doctor Who or something. Did he then? Oh well, I'm I'm out of the running there. What the hell? Let's try the CW. They you know. Or was it the other way around? Or was, was it, it a, yeah. a power move? Like yeah. the CW is kind of iffy on this Babylon Five That's... thing. I'm going to publicly tweet that I'm in it for Doctor Who and see if I can make something move. <laughs> That's where my money yeah. is. He yep. has said on social media that the the murmurings about this becoming a possibility began in June. So I think he was. I think he. I think he was creating some buzz for himself. Honestly, interesting. Well, good, good on him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it shows that he knows how to use the social yeah. media to his advantage. There you go. Which is that is a heartening thing in this day and age because you know maybe the the new Babylon Five when and if it comes back will will do better than the previous Doctor Who has in terms of promoting the show. <laughs> yeah, these are both properties that are owned by someone else. Um, that Russell T Davis. Uh, was, you know, supremely successful in resurrecting, but it was not his, and he told his story, and he walked away. Uh, and now he's coming back because he sees a new opportunity um, here. Um, Babylon 5, while it's technically owned lock, stock, and barrel, everything but the movie rights by Warner Brothers, um, nobody wanted really wanted it other than JMS and maybe a couple of the actors. Um, it's his story. So him coming back to tell the story again with uh, with some new tools and a new perspective and one would assume some new characters and new uh, story developments. And hunky 20-year-old actors. <laughs> wow. You see, that's the, one, that's the one thing that you could say there that can just... <laughs> Kill my enthusiasm. That's okay. I'm 51 years old, Jason Snell. Bruce Boxleitner will be like the president of Earth or something. Probably. Uh, But but yeah, this that's that's the that's the that's the big difference between these two prodigal showrunners. The one coming back to this institution that existed before him and will exist after him, and the other who's coming back to recreate. Who Something less than an institution. Yeah. It's just it's 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 his personal story. That's fascinating. I can't believe these stories broke within a week of each other. I'm spent, you guys. <laughs> I, I am deeply Please, con- deeply yeah. concerned no about what's the no next one. No. The sheer threat well, yeah. of all this potential Ta- podcasting is just like overwhelming. So the meta level here. The meta level here, I think, is that the changing of how television works to be this scramble for viewers in a streaming service led economy <laughs> has led to moves that seem to be impossible before to actually occur because on the doctor who side i think it is really the realization that the bbc is not capable of playing a global franchise game that doctor who should be playing 
And on the Babylon 5 side, it I, I, I joked about it earlier, but seriously, I think it is everybody connected to Warner Media in any possible way looking through their list of intellectual property <laughs> to see if there was anything that they could turn into anything anywhere at all. We've ignored this property for how many years? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but because a, of this guy? But, but, but sci- <laughs> sci-fi, sci-fi pro- franchises are hot. Why have we not gone back to this? And he's available? We'll get him in here for a meeting, right? And, and, <laughs> yep. and that I fa- I'm fascinated by that. It doesn't necessarily mean that what will come out will be any good. Who knows? That You never know with that. I do. It does give me pause about what else. What else is there I'm out scared. there that we love <laughs> that is, is, is quiet and yet somehow is, there's a little bit of stirring and then other things are going to happen? Because it does feel like literally the entire entertainment industry. And Russell T. Davis said this in that interview he gave. He's like, sci-fi and fantasy properties right now make an enormous amount of money. And so everybody wants to do all of them. And I, I keep thinking about that and thinking... Oh no! <laughs> like what? What next? What thing will be rifled through next in order the to feed the of machine? Auto man, manimal, <laughs> auto manimal. It's a uh, oh, there it is. Got- <laughs> it, he's he's part man, right part car. All yeah. on NBC yeah. Universal. Some was Peacock. Yeah. It's a Peacock thing. It's a Peacock show. Yeah, totally. animal. Yeah. We're, we're we're just pulling all sorts of things, and it's been happening in at the animation industry for a while. Yes. We've had like She-Ra come back, and Voltron came back, and now He-Man, He-Man is yeah. back, and two different series at the same time. Um, and I'm hearing my kids. I swear, today alone. I had like two different classes bring up the Flintstones and the Jetsons, and I'm going like, "What the what? hell? Oh no! What? Where are you guys? T- why are you suddenly talking about these? Mm-hmm. It's because of that Amazon robot. That's what it is. It's no, Bam Bam is a boy. <laughs> I don't care what that drawing looks like. It's a boy. It's a, yeah, I, I do. I mean, we were joking before we got started, but like, I dread the we're going to bring back Lost. We're going to bring back Buffy. We're going to bring back like you just pick your favorite. And and again, it could be good, it could be bad, and they're not going to be destroying the tapes of the original, which is fine. I think it's a- no. We already had that with Doctor Who. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> the 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 missing episodes. They're out there, Stephen. They're out there. I know. I know. Believe. Believe. They're coming. They're coming back any day now. Uh, yeah. So I I I. This is like perfect crystallization of all my hopes and fears of everything ever. <laughs> is the last week. <laughs> Where it's like, it's coming back. Oh, no, now I'm scared, right? Like, it's a yeah, fist bump. No, terrified. Uh, but this is what a time to be alive, I guess, and like genre entertainment because yeah. all the billionaires and all the companies that are making this stuff, they they want to make more of it. And I, I, I mean, in conclusion, I guess I would say I like the fact that these prodigal showrunners have come back because I like the fact that they have such an attachment to the material just like we do. And they want it to be to exist, and they want it to be good, and they want it to be successful. And it's a rare uh, alignment of what they want and what we want. <laughs> and I they're, appreciate it. They're just like us, Jason. They're just like us. They're just like they bleed like us, but they have people who come in and staunch stanch the bleeding and take them away. <laughs> so do I. His name's Stephen. Okay. He's sitting right over there. <laughs> Any other final thoughts about the prodigal showrunners before we go? Big week. Big welcome week. back. I say welcome, welcome back. back. That's what I say. I, Me too. Welcome back. I'm looking forward to see what you do with the 21st century. Yep. Welcome back. Don't kill yourselves. I've read the writer's right. tale. I've mm-hmm. seen the posts on Usenet. Yeah. 
Both of these guys. Neither neither showrunner did good things for their health during their time uh, running these shows. Get some help and make that help diverse help. Yeah, I mean yes. this. Yes, yeah. embrace the embrace the writers room and think about building your farm system of the people who are going to replace you and succeed you and have that be the make your legacy be part of this story, right? Which is getting people who uh give people opportunities to do this stuff based on your good works, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't know. The last time we did an episode like this was when Disney bought Star Wars and that was that was also a whole hour of what? What? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and now there's this. So anyway, place your bets about what will be the next property that will shock us. Uh, I don't want to hear about it. But uh, let me thank (laughs) the the uh, the staff and proprietors of the Audio Guide to Babylon Five, as well as several Doctor Who podcasts that are very good for being here on the Incomparable this week. Chip Sutterth. Uh, Audio Guide to Babylon Five, and of course the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, and uh, and you do uh you do an Expanse podcast here on the Incomparable when it's in season, which it is not right now. Thank you for being here. It's uh my pleasure. Uh, Shannon Sutterth, Audio Guide to Babylon Five, uh, popping up in our Ted Lasso podcast a bit. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. Stephen Shapansky, Radio Free Scaro, the only podcast that has more episodes than the Incomparable. And of course, the control group on Audio Guide to Babylon 5. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. And, and Lazy Doctor Who on the Incomparable Network. Got to, pro- got to promote that too. You, you'll be back. You're going to watch old episodes of Doctor Who again mm-hmm. soon, right? Oh, yeah. I, oh, as as we get to them, as we get to them, <laughs> no promises. Yeah. Uh, I Never tried. Any promises. I tried, but you wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't get <laughs> nope. fished in there. We're, always, we're not going to fall for it. Always try. Yeah. And Erica Ensign, of course, so many podcasts, so many places, including Verity uh, Audio Guide to Babylon Five, which is all still available. Beginners Puck, Lazy Doctor Who, so many podcasts. Thank you for being here. And so it begins. Oh. The avalanche has begun. It is too late for the Pebbles to vote, but they can still stream. Uh, We will see you next week with something completely different here on The Incomparable. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.